Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Jim Carpenter, Sandy Billows, Chung Hock, Timmy Griffith. Hi. Hi. Someone sitting here? Uh, no, go ahead. Oh, thanks. Boy, there sure are a lot of people out there. Yeah, who would have thought? Oh. Are you alone? Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm Sue. Huh? Oh, I'm Roy. Hi. Hi. This is quite the place. Yes, it is. You know, you read and hear about something enough, you think you're going to know what it looks like. I don't think you can ever really quite know what to expect. Oh, but it's pretty exciting, don't you think? I find it unnerving. Have you been here long? I don't know. A couple of hours, maybe. It's, it's kind of hard to tell. Well, might as well make myself comfortable then. Noreen Roberts. Ghanim Kassir. So by what means did you arrive? Car. Ouch. Yeah, drunk driver. Oh, and I suppose he walked away? Yep. Isn't that just how it goes? Yeah, how about you? Heart attack. You're kidding. You're so young. 51. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you and me both. Karen Bach. So we go through over there? Yeah, when they call your name. You have butterflies? I get butterflies yeah. when I think about this. I have butterflies when I sing a solo in the first grade. Well, I'm ready. Well, what's that? That's my insurance. Well, I didn't think you could take anything with you. I'm not taking it with me just far enough to get through that door. I grabbed all I could. I didn't have much time. I didn't have any. Well, you've got to plan ahead. That's how you get places. I'll remember that next time. <laughs> so what's in there anyway? Um, this is my portfolio, so to speak. I don't want to brag, but I've accumulated quite an impressive collection. Mm. Uh, for example, this plaque was given to me. For my help in building shelters for the homeless. Oh, very nice. It is, isn't it? <laughs> hey, this photo right here, this photo album here is from all the kids that my wife and I have helped. This is um, Esteban, okay? He's from the Dominican Republic, and we helped him go to school. Mm. And all these kids right here, well, I never really met any of them, but they got a meal every day due to my financial support. Mm. Oh, and this kid right here, we were foster parents for him there for a while mm. and I coached soccer for 20 years wow. and you can find me out on 54 and 74 collecting money for the Salvation Army every Christmas oh, yes, sir. Yeah. okay and this was given to me for uh, helping the United Way for three years running at work wow oh here I rescued a kid from Peachtree City from drowning Ooh. read all about that right there hey this here this ribbon is for memorizing yeah, memorizing the most verses in Bible school. Oh. Prize-winning potholder I made for my mom and Cub Scouts. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Is that it? <clears throat> no, there's a lot more, but I don't want to bore you. Oh. 
Well, Roy, I must say you've lived quite the life. Yeah, well, it just kills me that I won't be able to do more. Literally speaking, of course. Don't remind me. Well, what else did you want to do? What? What else? I still had 40 years. I mean, how old are you, 50, 51? 53. Okay, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. I was in the prime of my life, just hitting my stride. Tony Garcia, Sybil Alexander. Apparently our time was up. Well, it wasn't enough. I mean, by accomplishments, I mean. Oh, who knows when you've done enough? Why aren't they calling my name? Must be a busy day. So where's your stuff? My stuff? Yeah, you know, your trophies. Well, I don't have any. None? Well, none that I brought with me. Oh, I feel sorry for you. You're going to have a tough time getting in. Why? Why? Because there's a price of admission. Oh, Roy, maybe you haven't heard, but the price has been paid. Oh, it's been my experience. You can never really trust anyone. So as for me and my duffel bag, I don't leave home without it. Oh, no wonder you had a heart attack. <laughs> Serena Jenkins, Sanath Kumir, Sue Cummings. That's me! Hey, <laughs> hey, wait! I- I've been here for hours. You just got here. It's nice to meet you. Hey, there's got to be some mistake. Oh, Roy, I really, really wish you the best. Goodbye, Roy. Hey, tell him I'm still here. Oh, and and mention the duffel bag. That'll really impress him. Thomas White, John Mariano, Linda Drake, Phyllis Morgan, Takashi Diakma, Carol. Well, she was, uh, she was going the wrong way when I saw her. One Saturday evening, actually a rainy, dark, dreary Saturday evening, my daughter and I were on our way home, and uh, we were headed south on Highway 74, approaching the 7454 intersection, and when I noticed the flashing lights of a Peachtree City uh, police car and in, in the headlights of the car was, uh, appeared to be a very nice lady in a late model Cadillac and uh, facing southbound in the northbound lanes. She was headed the wrong way. Evidently, she'd been uh, shopping there in the West Park Shopping Center and, and took an exit out of the northwest uh, exit of the shopping center. And those of you from our area will know that you can't turn left there. You can't get across. You have to take a a right for one block before you have access to make a U-turn and get in the southbound lanes. Well, again, dark, dreary, rainy, hard to see. And evidently she got confused and took a left turn into the northbound lanes. Fortunately, one of our police officers uh, was right there, saw her, stopped her, and uh, I imagined uh, the conversation. You know, ma'am, I know you were, you thought you were going the right way, but you weren't. And uh, if you had continued, 
It would have been disastrous for you and and for other people. Uh, He gave her a wake-up call. She thought she was going the right way. Uh, She had every intention of going the right way, but she was wrong. You know, sometimes we need a wake-up call in our spiritual lives uh, as well because we may be going the wrong way and not know it. We may be going the wrong way and not know it. We think we're going the right way. We intend to go the right way. We, we sincerely believe with all of our hearts we're going the right way. We may look like we know what we're doing and that we're going the right way, but we are deceived and we are wrong and we're in danger and we're in great danger and do not even know it. Uh, in desperate need of a wake-up call. Now, that might be you. And so uh, about 10 days ago, as I was preparing uh, for a different sermon, strong, strong prompting of God's Spirit came upon me to hit the brakes and go to this passage that I'm about to take you to tonight. So I don't know who you are, but somebody's in trouble. And um, let's, let's unpack this just a little bit. Jesus said in the words recorded by Matthew, the tax collector turned follower of Jesus turned disciple uh, a follower of Christ penned inspired by God's Holy Spirit these words found in the gospel of Matthew chapter 13 if you want to take your Bibles get your hard copy or your digital copy turn to Matthew chapter 13 beginning in verse 24 let me read this aloud and you follow along this is the word of the Lord this is Jesus speaking he presented another parable to them The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came, sowed weeds among the wheat, and left. When the plant sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds also appeared. The landowner's slaves came to him and said, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he told them. So, do you want us to go and gather them up? The slaves asked him. No, 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 he said. When you gather up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to burn them, but store the wheat in my barn. Now, the church today, not just this church, but worldwide at least according to the scriptures the church has today has many 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 active attenders many many people who are uh, involved in the life of the church who are counterfeit christians and don't know it now they don't know it they think they're going the right way they think they're in the kingdom of heaven but they are not Uh, and they could face their worst nightmare on the day of judgment So how can this possibly be? I mean, how can a a church like ours uh, have many, many people here this morning who believe themselves to be in the kingdom of heaven and not be? It's possible. It's probable that in a crowd this size, there are several of you who believe yourself to be in the kingdom of heaven, and yet you are not. And you you are in terrible, terrible 
uh, danger. Well, our, our text describes the situation and the outcomes facing the two kinds of, of active attenders who appear to be in the kingdom of heaven. Now, there, uh, you know, you've heard me joke before and say that silly saying that there are two kinds of people in the world, those who divide people into two groups and those who don't. Well, Jesus divides us into two groups here today. And the first group is this one. There are some people who belong to the kingdom of God, and they look like they do. There are some who actually belong, and they do look like they do. In this parable, uh, the man who owns the field represents the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the good seed that he sowed in the field stand for the, the, the genuine followers of Christ, those who actually have been immersed, have been placed in, have been planted in the kingdom of heaven by God, uh, the Holy uh, Spirit. Now, this means that the church today is not absolutely full of hypocrites. There are people who look like they belong and they actually do. Uh, many people who appear to belong to the kingdom of heaven really do. They're the real thing. Well, so, okay, pastor, then how did they get in? How did they become followers of, of Christ? How did they get into the kingdom of heaven? Well, they were placed there by a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, when they responded to him by admitting their sinfulness and their inability to save themselves, their inability to earn their way to God's favor and instead placed their active trust, bet their life in eternity on what Jesus accomplished when he died on the cross and rose from the dead, when he died on the cross and substituted for us, atoning for our sin paying the price so that we do not have to if we ask him to pay our price for us, if we ask him to pick up the tab. And they did so. And the Bible says everyone who did so placed their faith in Christ, are forgiven of their sins, are in one place it even uses the word baptized, are baptized into the body of Christ, placed into the kingdom of heaven by God the Holy Spirit, given eternal life, given the certainty of life with God in eternity and the, uh, the, the joy of living under the care and supervision of God on a daily basis here in this life. That's how they got into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, they say they're Christ followers. They behave like Christ followers. Uh, they're in the kingdom of heaven and they look like it. They look like it. That, that may be you. So the question we need to ask is this one, and you must ask yourself, am I in the kingdom of God really? Am I in the kingdom of heaven really? Did I get this thing right, or am I, or am I deceived? Uh, you better make sure, uh, because if you've missed it, you may experience your worst nightmare in the judgment. So the first group of people in the parable are those who belong to the kingdom of heaven, and they look like it. The second group of people that we find in the parable are these. They belong to the kingdom of heaven. Uh, they do not belong to the kingdom of heaven, but they do look like it. They do not belong, but they look like it and believe themselves to be so. So go back to the parable. Go back to the story. Jesus here told that the man's enemy crept into the field during the night with the intent to ruin his crop of wheat by sowing weeds uh, into the field. Now, these just weren't just any old weeds. They were what some translations uh, call tares, wheat and tares. Um, they look just like 
uh, wheat. Again, just not any old weeds. They, they look like wheat. And the story goes on to say that when the weeds uh, appeared, uh, they appeared when the wheat began to, to grow up. And you couldn't tell the difference between the two. I have an acquaintance who used to be pastor of a church long time in, uh, in uh, northern Oklahoma. Now, Kansas is not the only place they grow wheat. We got any people from Oklahoma and northern Texas in here. You know, a lot of wheat farmers out there uh, as well. Well, he happened to uh, be teaching through the gospel of Matthew, and he got to this passage. The week after he explained it, uh, one of the men in his church came to see him, walked in his office one day. He's a wheat farmer. It was about harvest time. And in one hand, he held a, a shock of wheat. And in another, tares are the weeds that are described here. And he stuck them in uh, the pastor's face. And he said, okay, preacher, which one's which? He couldn't tell. And the farmer went on to tell him that the only way you can tell is when the wheat matures, when the weeds mature, and you crack open the heads of the wheat. Uh, wheat has grain inside and tares do not. And so they can only be separated at the harvest time. Some people don't belong to Jesus, but they look like they do. Now, is that you? So, well, Pastor, you're making me nervous. You're just trying me to get me to doubt my salvation, or you just trying to scare me? Yes, I am trying to scare you because there are things that you should be afraid of, and this is one of them. The Bible says frequently to do this, and in one place, um, let me find the passage that I have here in um, 2 Corinthians 13.5, it says that we are to test ourselves, that we are to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. I'm, I'm asking you to do a self-test today. I'm asking you to ask God's Spirit to open your eyes to see your own condition uh, as you really are in relationship to Christ to make sure that you are in the faith because some people look like they belong to Christ and they do not. Some people look like they belong to the kingdom of heaven, but they are not in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, they are, they're good church members. They're counterfeit Christians and don't know it. They're not subversive. They're not wolves in sheep clothing trying to mess up the church. They're people who believe themselves to be okay with God, yet they are not. They are not. They, uh, they attend church. They're religious. They give money to benevolent causes. They, they volunteer. Uh, they, uh, they work on committees. They look like the real thing, but they are counterfeit. So how does someone become a counterfeit Christian? Well, there are many ways, but in our culture, there's the big four. There are four prominent ways that someone is deceived finds themselves to be outside the kingdom of heaven, but believing that they, are, uh, that they are inside. Well, the story here, go back to the parable. In the parable, we find that the farmer had an enemy and that this enemy sowed the tares or the weeds into the wheat. Now, in this story, the, the enemy represents the devil, Satan. Uh, he is described throughout the scriptures as being the father of all lies. He is first and foremost a deceiver, and he is darn good at it. Now, you can go to all the horror movies you want to see that have been made since the 70s and The Exorcist that you want to and think all that really weird, creepy stuff is of the devil. The most horrible thing he does is to convince people they're okay with God and they're not. 
Because that's the worst thing that could happen to anybody. Because if you step into eternity in that condition, you experience your worst nightmare. And that's his aim. And he's darn good at it. This, this enemy was darn good at messing up the field of the farmer. So he places tares. And here's how he deceives uh, people who are counterfeit Christians. Here's the number one way people become counterfeit followers of Christ in our culture. And it, this, here's the one word focus. Write down the word ceremony. Ceremony. Counterfeit Christians, most counterfeit Christians become one in our culture by placing their faith in a religious ceremony of some type. I was baptized as an infant. I don't remember it. I have no conscious awareness of it, but they got pictures and certificates and my mama told me. And I I was baptized as an infant or I was baptized as an adult. I I was physically baptized. Some people place their faith in receiving communion. I've received communion frequently and faithfully. Others say, well, I I went through a confirmation class. Now, are are those things good things? Are they? Yeah, yeah, they're they're good things. It's good to, to, uh, it is good to be baptized. It is good to uh, go through uh, confirmation. It's great to receive communion and observe the lord's supper but those are not the ways that god places someone into the family of god this is not the way to be saved it is not the way that god has arranged for men and women and boys and girls like you and me to be reconciled to god and be placed in his family it's not they are not but it's the number one way in our culture that people become counterfeit become deceived to thinking that they're in the kingdom of god in the family of god but they are not They are not. The second way is by membership. Write down the word membership. Uh, Some counterfeit Christians place their faith in religious membership rather than trust in Christ. You know, they say, well, I joined the church. And and pick your flavor. Uh, You know, I was raised Catholic or I was raised Baptist or I was raised Methodist. One day somebody asked me, what would you be, Pastor, if you were not a Baptist? And I said, I'd be ashamed. That's what I'd be. But, um, uh, but, but, but Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, on and on and on. Uh, but it's, it's I, was, I belonged. I belonged. I'm on a church roll somewhere. Is it, is it a good thing to belong to a church? Family, sure it is. I hammer that, you know, I hammer your heads with that fact all the time. In fact, we've got a membership seminar, the Belong Seminar, coming up next Sunday afternoon. We've got a ton of people coming. I want you to join us. Use your card and sign up and come next Sunday afternoon. I want you to be a part. Is it a good thing to belong to a church family? Yes. However, that is not the way that God has arranged for people to enter into his family. That is not the way that people enter the kingdom of heaven. It is not. It is not, yet some people put their faith in membership, in, in, a, in ceremony, in membership. Some counterfeit Christians become so because they place their faith in service, benevolent acts of service, doing, doing good to, to mankind uh, rather than trust in Christ. They give money, sometimes vast sums of money. They, they teach, they serve, they care for the poor, uh, they clothe people who don't have enough clothes, they feed the homeless, uh, they work on teams and committees and with organizations to, uh, to, uh, to help mankind locally and regionally and globally. Uh, they do acts of service. And they got a duffel bag. And they put their faith in that. If I, if I do enough good things, 
That'll get me in. That'll make me, that'll get me into the kingdom of heaven. That'll put me into God's uh, favor. Is it a good thing to do good? Yeah, of course it is. It's a very good thing to do good, but that is not the way that God has arranged for men and women and boys and girls to be placed into the family of God. That is not the way that he has arranged for uh, you and I to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Place our faith in ceremony and membership and service. Now, here's one that's a little tricky, so stick with me. I'm going to make you work a little bit on this one. Some people become counterfeit Christians because they put their faith in a fact that they believe something. But here's what they believe. They believe God exists. They believe Jesus exists. They put their trust in an intellectual acknowledgement of an idea, of a fact. Well, God exists. Jesus exists. But in James chapter 2, verse 19, the Scriptures say this. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and they shudder. The devil himself believes God exists. In fact, he knows it full well. The devil himself believes that Jesus is who he claimed to be. He knows it full well. He certainly is not in the kingdom of heaven nor his demons. It's not enough to believe that God exists. It's not enough to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Just give intellectual assent to an idea or to a fact. It's not enough. Is it a good thing to believe God exists? Yeah. Is it a good thing to believe that Jesus is who he said he is? Yeah, it's a great thing. But that, that belief alone, intellectual acknowledgement of a fact, is not how God arranged for people to be placed into the family of God, into the kingdom of heaven. You may find yourself shuddering with the demons, experiencing your worst nightmare. And so let me just ask you, have you been deceived by the evil one all these years, thinking that you belong to the kingdom of heaven, but you do not? Have you been placing your trust in a religious ceremony of some type in the past? Have you been putting your trust in acts of service? Have you been putting your trust in the fact that you, your da- granddaddy belonged to the Methodist church in Poplar Springs, Missouri, and that's where all your family, I, my name's on the roll back there. I'm going to keep it right there. I'm on, is that, you've been doing that. Is it belief just in an idea? Well, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. It's time to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Let me read this passage again, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you yourselves not recognize that Jesus Christ is in you? Or are you realizing Jesus is not in me and I'm not in him? Unless you fail the test. Examine yourself to see if you fail the test. It's time. Let's not be fuzzy about this any longer. Let's not put it off. I mean, let's do business. Are you in the faith or not? You say, well, I'm, you know, I'm sort of a, I'm, I'm sort of a Christian. There's no such thing as sort of. It's like, you know, being sort of pregnant. <laughs> you know, it's like being sort of dead. 
You, you, you are or you are not. Are you in the family of God or are you not? Test yourself. Lord, help me. Help me. Take the what blinders have been over my eyes. You know, just, Jesus talks about people's eyes being blind, having eyes that they cannot see and ears that they cannot hear. And he's talking about spiritually. Can you, can you not be spiritually discerning enough to tell where you are? Are you in the family of God or not? Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Because counterfeit Christians experience their worst nightmare on the day of judgment. Look at verse 30. In the story here, uh, we find that the owner of the field dealt with the weeds, the tares, this way. He told the servants not to try to pull up the weeds while they were growing because it was impossible to tell the difference between the wheat and the weeds. They might pull up the healthy wheat plant. So he said, uh, just let the counterfeit wheat and the real wheat grow up together. Then at the harvest, we will sort them all out. We will bundle up the counterfeit wheat and, and burn it. Now, let me see your eyes. This is referring to the judgment. This is referring to the great judgment day uh, in eternity. This means that, that God will not sort out counterfeit believers from real believers in this life. He'll wait till the judgment. He lets us coexist, but not forever. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for people to die once, and after this judgment. That's what happens. So what happens when you die? First thing you do is you find yourself at the judgment. Boom. This harvest in the story represents the great judgment day of God. And on that day, the Bible tells us that all people will stand before the living Savior and their true character will be revealed. Mine will be revealed, yours will be revealed and judged. And those who followed God's plan to be redeemed, to be forgiven, to be accepted by God the Father, those who got it right... Uh, will be welcomed into his presence and joy forever. Real followers of Christ will enjoy eternity with Jesus in heaven. But those who place their trust in the wrong plan, in their duffel bag, full of ceremony and service and membership and intellectual belief, they will be separated forever. Listen to this. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 7 beginning in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, not everybody who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven, only the one who gets it right. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, but I never knew you. Depart from me. About 15 years ago, I was in my office one morning, and uh, my assistant knocked on the, on the door, and she said, Excuse me, uh, your mama's on the phone. It sounds a little urgent. And so I... Closed the door and grabbed the phone, and, and it was my sweet mom. And I could tell her voice was a little shaky, and I said, Mom, are you okay? And she said, uh, no, I'm not. And she said, I said well, what, I'm, what, in the, what in the world? You know, what, what's going on? 
And she said, uh, I'm concerned about myself. Well, Mama, what does that mean? What do you mean you're concerned about yourself? She said, I don't think I'm okay with God. Well, I went, oh, oh, well, if anybody's okay with God, it's my mama. You know, so, and I said, well, Mama, now why do you think, why do you think that? And she said, I've just got this heaviness of heart, and it's been, I've had it for several days, and I don't think I'm okay. And I said, well, so I started trying to talk her down off the ledge. And I said, well, well, back up. Now, tell me, why do you think that? And she said, I don't, I don't think I've ever trusted Jesus. I said, well, Mama, you've heard this all your life. Tell me about what happened to you, when you were, before you were baptized. And she said, as an ele- older elementary age girl, I got under conviction about coming to Christ. And at the end of a worship service in the First Baptist Church of Piedmont, Alabama, Uh, the pastor gave people an opportunity uh, while the choir sang, if anyone wanted to place their faith in Christ and have someone talk with them about it, to step out from where they were seated and come down to the front. And some of their ministers and some of their deacons were there to talk with people. And she said, I slipped right out from mom and daddy because I I didn't know what to do, but I knew I needed help. I needed something. But when I got down there, nobody explained anything to me. I said, what did they say? And he said, well, a a man just uh, asked my name and wrote it down on a card and then handed it to the pastor. And then he said, Rose Propes has joined the church. And so I thought, oh, okay, that's what I did. I never prayed. Nobody ever talked to me about what I was supposed to do or how this happens. And she said, I don't ever remember thinking about that since. I don't ever remember doing that. And I said, well, well Mama, you know, you've been in the, you, you, you kept, you taught preschool Sunday school at that time for 40 years. You've sung in the choir for 40 years. Now, I think you probably, I think you probably got it. I'm still trying to talk. And finally, here's what she said. She said, son, will you just pray with me and let me get saved? I said, yes, ma'am, I will. And she just poured out her heart on the phone and uh, turned from her sin and put, put her trust in, in the Lord Jesus. And the next Sunday night, she celebrated her Christian baptism uh, at the First Baptist Church of Bremen, Georgia. And she's been joy-filled and confident ever since. What... Nobody looked more like they were in the, in the kingdom of heaven than my mama. But she says she was not. What do you think? I think she was not. Did somebody just write your name on a card and they said, you're joining the church? Is that it? You got to, don't, mm, you can't trust in that. I, I am begging you to be sure that you are in the faith some, because some people belong to the kingdom of heaven and they look like it and they do. Some people don't belong, but they look like they do. And uh, those who do not are going to experience their worst nightmare at the judgment. So let's come to faith in Christ. And I want to give you the opportunity right now. Let's pray.
Just pray with me right where you are. Turn the place where you're seated into your own personal place of prayer. I'm going to coach you through a spiritual commitment. Uh, these words are, are not magic words, a magic formula. God's more concerned with the words of your, with the attitude of your heart than he is the words of your mouth. But if you realized I've been placing my faith in the wrong stuff, in religious membership, in ceremony, in service, and I have never actually acknowledged my sinfulness and my inability to save myself, and I've never come to Jesus and put all my hope in Him to be saved, to receive eternal life, and I want to do that now, then you tell Him right where you are. You take a moment and tell Him. Lord, I am a sinful person. The reason I do sinful things is because I'm a sinful person and I can't save myself. I can't get a big enough duffel bag to earn my way back to you. So I right now put my trust in you and what you accomplished when you died on the cross and atoned for our sin in our place. And I want to ask you to substitute for me personally. You be my substitute. And forgive me my sin. And adopt me as your child. And immerse me into the kingdom of heaven. For to the best of my understanding, I give all of my sin and all of myself and all of my hope and all of my eternity into your hands. I'm trusting in you. Not as a result of works so that no one can boast, not, and certainly not me. Lord, I want to thank you for hearing these prayers. Now I want you to look at me a second. Jesus once said to a group of people, not too dissimilar from us, if you confess me before men... I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you will not confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father who is in heaven. Uh, there's something about physically acknowledging publicly that we have put our faith in Christ uh, that seals it, that, that uh, helps us drive down a stake so we never forget it and helps us, helps us turn and, and have that, that new beginning. So if you have trusted in Jesus this morning, maybe you just said, I was uncertain, but doggone it, I made sure right now. Others of you, for the very first time, examined yourself and realized, I was not in the faith, and I have committed my life to Christ. I bet my life in eternity on him. If that's you, just stand up right where you are and remain standing. Just stand up right where you are. How about it in the balcony there? There you go. Yay. Remain standing. Yes, yes, all over the place. How about down here? There you go. Who else? Yes, there you go. Who else? Yeah, let's celebrate. Welcome to the family of God. Woo! No kidding. No kidding. God bless you. God bless you. Let's pray for these. Lord, I thank you for these men and women, these students, who said, I've given my life to Christ, and I'm not ashamed. I'm declaring my faith before this church. Now, Lord, make this church a place where they can grow in their faith in you 
and experience the great joy of their salvation. Lord, I pray for the rest of us. As King David prayed in Psalm 51, Lord, restore to us the joy of our salvation and that we may leave here rejoicing. Oh, Lord, we give you thanks for these things. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let's sing. Let's celebrate. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.